Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been perfectly prepared and utterly unprepared at the same time? I found myself in that situation six years ago today. Six years ago today. It started out as a normal day. Everything was going perfectly fine, but my wife and I, our whole family, had been preparing for a big change in our family. Anne was pregnant and expecting any day our youngest. And so we were perfectly prepared, so long as the baby didn't come on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so we started off that Sunday, things were going good, but during Bible study, Anne started shifting in her seat a little bit. And then came worship. This is at our parish in Washington. Then came worship, and the service was going along, everything was happening as normal, it was all good. And then we come to communion. And at that church, they'd have the, the communion rail. Folks would come up and kneel to receive the Lord's Supper. And up comes Anne, along with the, the other folks, to receive the Lord's Supper. And I give her Jesus' body and blood, and she pulls me in close and whispers, It's time. I've got to go. But she says, Don't worry, don't worry. Finish the service. Oh, thanks. It all worked out. Ellie held off for a few more hours and was born on this day six years ago today. I was utterly unprepared and fully prepared for that moment. Preparation is the theme for today. John the Baptist preaching, prepare the way of the Lord. Repent! It's a call and a summons for each and every one of us to prepare our hearts to be ready for the coming of the King. The celebration of his birth at Christmas, but also, and even more so, his second coming, when he will return in power and in glory. And as I was thinking about that and reflecting, of course, also on Ellie's birthday this week, I was thinking how, you know what, there's a natural analogy to be here, a comparison of what it takes to prepare for a newborn coming and to prepare for our coming king, who came first as a newborn, but who will yet come again as king. And so I want to do this morning is I want to uh, do my usual exercise in pressing an analogy too far, as I'm prone to do. But I want to think about the comparison here of preparing for a newborn child and preparing for Christ our king. I think that there's some important ways that there's overlap and similarities that illuminate our life with the Lord and how we walk with him now and will eternally. So Let's prepare our hearts and think about this. The first thing that happens when you're preparing for a newborn, you realize very quickly that your life is not your own. Hmm? You realize very quickly that your life is not your own. Whatever used to belong to you, now you are sharing with this new little life. And there is this commodity, more precious than spun gold, that you would find yourself now crawling over broken glass to find once you have that newborn. And what is that commodity? It's me time, right? Me time is out the window. All of that is gone because your life is no longer your own. And this very much fits with John the Baptist's preaching today as well. We hear him say, repent, prepare the way of the Lord. 
which is to say, now turn around. The word literally changes, means to change your mind, change your self-sought ways. No longer can you seek your own, but instead you're seeking the Savior's. You're seeking to walk in His ways, in His will, rather than your own. You can't anymore think, well, I'm, I'm my own person. I can do as I please. I'm my own master. By no means. Christ is your master. The king who calls you to come and follow after him. Your life is no longer your own. And I think about how that flies in the face of our culture. Where we so much have this idea that we are the the master of our own lives. That we are the, the captain of our own ship. That our life is our own. We seek to be autonomous, literally, to be our own self law. It's interesting, this week I was reading about, you know, at the end of the year they have the, the words of the year or the phrases of the year, sometimes it turns out. And one of them especially struck me. It was the word or the phrase, uh, goblin mode. Any of you heard of this before? I hadn't either. Goblin mode. I know, this is one of the words of the year. None of us have ever even heard of it, but be that as it may. Let me fill you in on goblin mode. According to the Oxford Dictionary, it describes it as the idea of rejecting societal expectations put upon us in favor of doing whatever one wants to do. And they go on to say that goblin mode is often associated with behavior that is unapologetically lazy, slovenly, greedy, and self-indulgent, typically in a way that rejects social norms. So people say, I'm going into goblin mode, right? Yeah, I call that Wednesday, but no. Goblin mode fits very much with our society's standards and flies right in the face of the call of Christ. He says, no, repent, follow me. Your life is not your own. Advent and the advent of Christ Jesus is an opportunity for us to remember that. That Christ Jesus has purchased you and me at the price of his blood. Your life is not your own. You were bought at a price. And so we don't seek to go into goblin mode, but grateful mode, seeking to follow not our own self-sought ways, but the ways of our Savior. So here's one point of comparison between preparing for a newborn and preparing for our coming king. Remember that your life is not your own. But secondly, when we follow Christ and when we receive a newborn, it is not a temporary change It's a permanent one. It is a permanent change. It's not a temporary one like putting up decorations for the season. It is a permanent one like getting a heart transplant. And maybe that's the right way to think about it when it comes to our faith as well. In following Christ, we are given a new heart and a new life. Or to use the image that John uses in the preaching, we hear him say that now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. There is a root and branch transformation that happens to you and me as followers, as disciples of Jesus. It's not just a little bit of ornamentation. It's not just some temporary change. It is permanent, a renovation of the heart and soul and life that is so thoroughgoing. See, Christ did not merely come to reform the reformable or to improve the improvable. He came to kill us and to raise us to life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously said that when Christ calls a man, He bids him, come and die. Come and die. The Lord whom you and I live for is no a la carte Lord. 
This isn't like the Chinese buffet where you can go and pick a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But instead, our whole lives are given to him, not temporarily, but permanently. Even as when you receive a new child into your life, it changes you forever in ways that you never could have anticipated that now your life is permanently, utterly changed in a way that will never go back again. And you know, I think Advent is an opportune time for you and me also to do a, a kind of audit of our heart and soul, to look at our lives and to ask ourselves, what are some of the ways that I have resisted those permanent chain, changes of Christ in my life? What are the habits that I'm holding on to of heart or mind? What are the commandments of Christ that I'm struggling to follow? It's a chance for us to hear that summons of John the Baptist. Repent and follow Christ who calls for nothing more than your whole life and to do so permanently. And so when we think about the preparations for a newborn, the preparations for our coming king, there's similarities here in terms of the, the permanency of it, how he claims our whole life. But maybe what I've said so far leans more toward the law side of things. And you think, gosh, it doesn't sound so great in some ways. But we need to also recognize a, a third point of comparison between preparing for a newborn and preparing for Christ, which is, it's good news. It is good news of great joy for all people. So it is when you're preparing for a newborn, as much as there's challenges that come along with it, it's fundamentally good news. Even on that day when I found myself utterly unprepared when Anne told me, it's time. I was a little bit nervous and shaking in my boots, you better believe it, but it was also good news. I couldn't have been more excited anticipating the coming of this little one. And so also, and even more so, for the coming of Christ. It's good news. Although listening to John's preaching this morning, you might have thought, doesn't sound like such good news, actually. It sounds like a, fire, a lot of fire and brimstone. Why is it that all of these people were flocking to hear it? All the crowds are streaming out, out into the wilderness, just to hear him say, hey, you brood of vipers. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay, where's the good news in that? Repent. The good news, though, is in that next word, that little three-letter word, for. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's why that call is good news. Because John is saying, repent, you need to repent because that repentance is a precursor to the coming of the king and his kingdom. Is it going to be painful a little bit? Sure, but it's a productive pain. And so also for us in our lives of faith, to repent of our sins, to turn away from those things which have uh, uh, occupied our lives, there's a kind of pain in that. Whether you be talking about you know, telling the truth, telling the truth to ourselves or telling the truth to others, can that be painful sometimes? Yeah. But it's a, a bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. It's a productive pain. That's what we are called to. It's like contractions, really. And again, I always have to qualify this. I've only observed, all right? I've not experienced. But contractions are a productive pain, bringing forth a new life. So also repentance is that kind of productive pain, painful a little bit, but good news and joyful because we know of what is yet to come, the coming of Christ our King. But I want to lift up one last point of comparison between preparing for a newborn and preparing 
for our King, our Lord Jesus. That's the one to circle back to where I started. As that you are utterly unprepared. You are always unprepared. I remember my buddy Jason talking to me after we had had a couple of kids and they had yet to have their first. And he was asking me, he was quizzing me, he was saying, hey, listen, Ryan, um, when do you think is like the best time to have a kid? And I was like, never. <laughs> Not because I don't love and adore my kids, but because there is no best time, right? There, I don't know, when's the best time to have your life totally flipped upside down? When's the best time to have everything change in your whole existence? There is no best time for that. And yet every time is the best time for that. You are always going to be utterly unprepared. And it's a beautiful thing. You know, when it comes to our lives of faith, I think this is part of the, the gift and the blessing of having Advent every single year. A chance for us to rekindle our hopes our, for the coming of Christ, to cultivate our faith even more, to look forward to his coming and his second coming. We need that because we are always unprepared. But you know what? Even more than your preparations is Christ's preparations for you. See, that's more important than any preparations that we might have for him is the fact that he is prepared for you. The scriptures say it over and over again. It was some of the last words of our Lord before his crucifixion. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. He says that of the sheep, that one day when he comes again, come and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundations of the world. It's that city that has foundations, that God has prepared for those who love him. What eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, so Christ has prepared for those who love him. You might not be prepared for him, but he is prepared for you and has prepared all things. A day is coming when our Lord Jesus will come again. We might not be prepared for him, but he is prepared for you. And when he comes, when he comes, and when we receive him as our Savior and receive him as our Lord, nothing, nothing can prepare you for the joy that you will feel. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing our offertory.